Welcome to Sunny in Dunny, hosted by Miss Carney and Miss Galbraith. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things health and well-being and delve into the lives of our guests from all walks of life. So get on your trainers, plug in your headphones and get out walking whilst listening to our podcast. We're always looking for inspirational guests, so if you know anyone, please tweet or email us. Hello and welcome back to Keeping It Sunny and Dunny for episode two. First of all, we want to say a huge thank you to Mr. Stewart in Music, who is helping us out behind the scenes. We didn't give him a shout out last week, but we definitely couldn't do it without him. Secondly, we have been absolutely blown away by the positive response that we have had so far from episode one. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. We've had listeners tuning in from all over the world, from America, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the list goes on. But most importantly, we've had so many listeners from Sunny Dunny itself. So thank you everybody for the amazing support. Today we have former teacher, current wheelchair athlete and all-round inspiration Mel Woods joining us. We're so excited about this one, aren't we Miss Carney? I remember listening to um, her All Good in the Sisterhood podcast and we were texting each other saying what an inspiration she is and if we were in her situation we don't know if we could follow such growth, positivity and resilience. A little bit of a background on Mel, she was in a road accident a few years ago that changed her life forever but rather than letting it define her, she has taken on so many challenges to be where she is today. So let's hear about Mel from herself. Welcome, Mel. So lovely to have you on. We both have to admit that we listened into your podcast, All Good in the Sisterhood, and absolutely loved it and hearing about your achievements. So probably the best question to start off is if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat to you today. Um, so I'm Melanie. I am 26 years old. And I'm from Glasgow, and I'm currently training um, and competing full-time in wheelchair racing. And with regards to school, where did you go and how was your experience when you were a teenager? So I um, I went to Balfron High School, and yeah, I really enjoyed school, like, well, most parts of it anyway. Um, I would say I kind of, like, floated through it. I didn't really think think too much into the future, I kind of just took day by day, so um, I kind of enjoyed a bit of everything, and and yeah, I would say it was like a pretty positive experience for me, um, but as I said, there was nothing that I was like majorly good at, or I would say I was just kind of like average Joe floating through school. Okay, and so what were you like as a teenager? Like, what were your goals, what were your aspirations, what kind of personality were you like? Um, a bit of a clown. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a joker. Um, didn't take things too seriously, which I, th- I would say helped me in some aspects, but probably not so much in the school side of things. Um, I yeah, so I didn't have many of my aspirations. I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. I guess it's always a question you're asked, like you know, so what's coming after school. And that changed massively um, as I went through school. I think I wanted to be an architect, uh, mostly. I really liked Graphcom, and that, for some reason, put, put those two together as, as an only option. Um, and then, through my love of math, I kind of thought, oh, maybe accountancy. So I applied for accountancy um, to go to uni. Um, but I also really love sports, like PE. I was mad for it. So... Um, so yeah, that's that's when I applied for PE teaching alongside accountancy. So you can imagine that was a bit of a um, 
conflicting personal <laughs> statement. <laughs> um, and then I think as my sixth year went on, I realised, you know, I'm not going to be an accountant and PE teaching is far better suited for kind of my love of sports and like even just, I, I guess I was quite a people person, like, um, and I saw that kind of better fitting with, with being a PE teacher. So, so yeah, that's what I went on to study at uni, PE teaching at Edinburgh. Yeah, that's quite a like change of path going from like maths and accountants into PE teaching. Um, how was your time at university? Uh, what kind of experiences did you enjoy? And did you get involved in things? Yeah, I, I mean, I loved uni. I thought it was it was such a great chance to well to move to a new city. Firstly, that was a massive a change and a challenge. So um, yeah, and I, I really enjoyed most aspects of of uni I, I played football for the women's football team um and yeah as, as a course PE was pretty social so it kind of meant that um you got to to meet loads of different people from from loads of different places and um, one thing that that was quite strange was from our school I think there was there must have been about 10 of us that went and did PE so um wow. I would say if anything that kind of kept us you know you felt like you knew people so you were probably less likely to kind of step outside your your comfort zone and, and like challenge yourself to meeting new people and joining new clubs and um and that side of uni so that yeah that was one side of it but but no did I you really feel like you, did you feel like you kind of did stick with them throughout uni or did you go and make new and different friends as well or I think it was good. I was quite happy to, to stay in in a bubble and and not branch out I didn't actually join any clubs in first year and um, so if, you know that was one regret I definitely would go back and I would I, I joined the football club, but I would definitely want to try different things. Like, as I said before, like, kind of, like, loads of different sports in, in school. I didn't really stick to one. I wasn't really that committed to, to one single sport. So I think I would have, um, I would have liked to try, like, maybe a, a few different things and, and, and societies and things like that where you can meet, you know, completely different people from, from a lot of different places. So, so that would probably be one thing that I would change. And after university, after you finished, um, where did your probation year take you? Because you were obviously, you come from like Glasgow and then through to Edinburgh and then was it another move for you? Yeah, I decided to go back home. Um, I, I think mostly I thought I was going to save lots of money going back and staying <laughs> at home and, and working a full-time job, but for some reason that didn't really pan out. Um, but yeah, so I went back through to Glasgow to do my probation year, which I absolutely loved. Um you know, just getting, actually finally getting to teach PE, which, you know, you've been training to do for four years. So, so yeah, back to Glasgow. That's excellent. Um, if you wouldn't mind, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your accident? Yeah, so things obviously took a bit of a turn in 2018. So that was three years ago. Um, and I had taken a job up in the Highlands. I was teaching PE up in Inverness. And it was a Saturday afternoon and I decided to go out for a cycle. Unfortunately, when I was out cycling, I I got hit by a car. So um, I'd suffered some pretty pretty significant injuries, but the most um, the most significant one was the break of my back. So I broke my back in a few different places and that resulted in a spinal cord injury. Um, so initially I was paralysed completely from kind of hips downwards um I did manage to get regain a little bit of movement in my legs um but yeah obviously 
have a lot of paralysis and lack of movement in my legs now. So I'm now a full-time wheelchair user. Um, and I hope this isn't too personal, but do you, you're like such a positive person. Do you hold like any resentment towards the person that was driving the car? Um, cause obviously they've changed your life. Um, and if so, like, how have you managed to like shed the resentment? Yeah, I think this is something that people ask me quite a lot and it's maybe like quite surprising that I don't, I, it's not really an emotion I feel, I think, you know, from the, from the get go, um, the, my recovery was going to take so much energy emotionally and physically there was so much that I needed to learn and be able to achieve to live an independent life that anger almost felt like a wasted emotion it was a waste of energy so I couldn't control that I couldn't control what had happened I could only control my response to what had happened and um and I I think initially I just kind of devoted all my energy to doing that and to achieving that so um anger anger really got pushed to the side Oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's pretty impressive that you can you're able to kind of do that. Um, would you mind telling us about the moment that you kind of found out that your life had changed forever? Oh, weird. I think a lot of people you hear stories of people saying, you know, at this moment where you were told you will never walk again, or you know, a really significant memory. But for me, it was very gradual in terms of a realization and and what life is going to look like. I think. I think initially when the ambulance first came they they asked me to wiggle my toes and I didn't respond because I just I, I, I feel like I, I knew what not wiggling my toes would mean and um, so that was probably a big a big sign for me not being able to do that but I think as time goes on it was just a, a gradual realization of okay what does this mean people asking questions doctors speaking to you and and realizing yeah this is pretty serious. Yeah, so you've also had quite a sudden change of path um, in terms of like you know your careers and stuff. Um, after the accident, was being a PE teacher like ever an option for you again, or did you actively want to change um, your career to kind of fit your new lifestyle? Because initially, at first, I was like, no, I don't want to teach in a chair. It's not an option. I'm not going to be able to do it. That was kind of how I saw it. Um, but I definitely think that's based on what I thought living life with a disability looked like. I thought. I had a preconceived idea of what someone in a wheelchair can and cannot do, and I think a lot of us do that. Just that's just that's just that comes. We learn that through, through I don't know, daily living, like and who we know and how much we know about people with disabilities. So um, I think as, as as time has gone on and I've learned what you can do and, and what I'm actually capable of, I think it's becoming more of an option for me. And realizing that yeah, that that could definitely still be a path, and um, you know. I feel like my passion for getting people active and and the importance of physical activity has not changed. So um, I definitely see that as an option for me now. Yeah, and can you tell us a little bit more about like where you're at now? Like, what's your life and career like at the moment? Yeah, so I am um, obviously I said I'm wheelchair racing. So that that consists of me training uh, full time. Um, so I train twice a day, six days a week, and that's kind of that's the kind of path I've chosen to devote my time to just now. Um, yeah, it's a strange one because obviously I kind of decided to do that and I thought oh, I'll, I'll see where that takes me for now and, and then maybe think about, you know, what work's going to look like 
a little bit later on. But I guess as time goes on, it's given me kind of confidence in where that journey can take me. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the route I'm going just now. And I think as time goes on, I'm realising, as, as I said before, like what I'm capable of and, and what the options are. So it might, it might mean that sometime soon that I take on another challenge or, or I introduce something else into, into my life alongside racing. Yeah, so in the next like five to ten years' time, where do you see yourself? So it's quite a big, big time frame. But where do you see yourself in that time? And do you see any challenges that you might have to overcome to get there? Oh, that's a hard one. I think five to ten years—that seems like a long time. Um, I think mostly, I definitely want to see um, where the best me in wheelchair racing can take me so I kind of want to like yeah see what my potential is in the sport and and see how much I can achieve in that and that's pretty vague but I kind of that's the the direction I see myself going in and I also want to continue to share my story I think and I think you know telling people about what a disability looks like and what life looks like now I, I think is a, an important story to tell and I think determin, determination and resilience is something everyone can and can do with and can use in their life so yeah I think I would just love to continue to share my story and uh, and use my voice to, to share that. You're like so positive and definitely many people will see you as a role model but out of interest did you have a role model growing up or maybe since um, your accident and through this experience is there someone that you look up to? could be more than one person yeah I think I take uh, a lot of inspiration from a lot of different people I think I've always been one to to watch a lot of different sports um and almost like idolize a lot of different people so I think one thing I would say post-injury is is it's kind of opened my eyes to, to a world of para sport and maybe before I was I've watched a lot more you know of the Olympics versus the Paralympics and I think it's been it's been pretty cool to be able to to watch all these individuals or athletes with disabilities and the challenges that they face and see what they can achieve so I think if anything that you know seeing is believing and definitely when I was in hospital I was watching you know all these para sports thinking like that's still possible so so yeah I think that's that's the thing that's changed most that's really nice um, even just from like looking at your like a first glance like your Instagram and the website that you have like sports so heavily featured like you've not lost that um, but have you found that anybody kind of treats you do people treat you any different um, since your accident have you noticed that? Those around me those that are closest to me my friends my family know I think mostly because they know that I'm still me and that was really pretty evident early on that, that I'm still me and the only difference is now that I, that I use a chair so mm-hmm. um but the thing I notice most is like I guess people out and about first of all how kind people are everyone wants to help you like which is so lovely and you know you, there's always assistance being offered to you Um that you know that's not always great because mm-hmm. you know sometimes you, you don't need help and people just assume that because you have a disability you know they offer their help before you're even struggling so um that's something that's definitely changed yeah and you are you're a very independent person so I can absolutely see that 
Um, do you feel that the options that are available to you are easy to access? So um, the sport that you're starting to get into, um, and you feel that they're they're funded appropriately for you? Yeah, well, disability sport, I think, I found um, mostly so is the equipment and how expensive it can be. I guess a lot of it's really custom made and um, and really quite hard to access. So for me, like it's you know, I've not had any problems because I've been so supported by so many people, and um, yeah, I really, I really barriers haven't really existed for me. But I do definitely think about young kids starting out and trying to get into disability sport and how how inaccessible it can be, especially um, financially. Um, and also, yeah, also access in terms of like, you know, there's a lot, there's lots of clubs, but definitely, you know, there's not n- near the scale that there is for, for able-bodied sport. Do you think that's why you're wanting to share um, your experience and your message more, just so that that is made aware of? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think when you're younger, like, you try so many different things and so many different sports and activities and clubs and and that's probably just a lot harder for someone with a disability. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You've kind of said about how you're, you know, you're so supported by those around you, maybe financially, but also like emotionally supported. Could you kind of tell us a little bit like who's been your rock throughout this or a few of them, like who's really been there for you and kind of rose up to the occasion when, when you needed it the most? I think my friends mostly like my friends have just been incredible and and I think you know it's it's classic you don't know what you've got until you you either need it or it's gone and for me I would say that I did know that I had a really supportive group of friends beforehand but now you know even more so like I guess like invest in the people around you because they're just you don't know when you'll need them and you don't know when you'll need them to step up so so yeah definitely friends and and my family as well, you know, they have, they've completely supported it. You know, it's a tough time for everyone. Everyone has to adapt, but, um, you know, they've, they've allowed me to just kind of explore what I want to do and, and find something that, that makes me happy as opposed to, you know, having to go back to, to straight back into work and get back to normality, which was life before, as opposed to normality, which is now. And that's a lot different. So um, that's taken some time to figure out. Yeah, that's such a good lesson for some of our listeners to kind of like stick with your friends and don't, I suppose, like drop them when things start to get a little bit tough. So, yeah, I really like that. And this is a little bit off topic, but um, this is mainly for our senior certificated PE classes. And they'll be kind of interested to hear what you maybe do as a pre-performance routine. So before a big race or even training, is there anything you do to kind of settle your nerves and calm yourself down or opposite, kind of get yourself (laughs) hyped up for the race? I don't really feel like I have an established routine yet. I think um, I definitely think that comes with experience, and I guess that's probably where I'm lacking. Um, so I feel like as, as race experience goes on, that's probably something that I'll that I'll develop. Um, one thing I will say is, that is just last year I was uh, racing, and um, I obviously hadn't checked my helmet was tight enough. Um, so it was a 400 meter race, and 200 meters in, my helmet. It, falling over my eyes (laughs) and I couldn't see a thing so I'm thinking that maybe helmet tightening you know that kind of check is probably checking equipment yeah it's going to come into the pre-performance routine sometime soon (laughs) I like that um have you found that with lockdown and covid that has your training been affected any because you're saying that you're still training 
twice a day. Um, has that been affected any? Not multiple. I think I have an indoor trainer, so that allows me to kind of do my training indoors. So I guess if anything, um, the lockdown and COVID has kind of given me a bit of consistency in my training. You know, there's been no racing over summer and um, I've managed to get into a routine with it. Um, but yeah, I guess the not being able to train in groups and doing club sessions makes a difference, um, even just for a little bit of motivation. So so I guess, yeah, that's probably what's changed most. Yeah, the social aspect. I feel like we're all kind of missing out on that. Um, so we're now into the segment, which is questions from the listeners. Now, last week, we had to kind of make it up because it was our first one. But we have two that we've picked out this week. So um, the first one comes from a fellow PE teacher. Shout out to Miss Cut in North Berwick. She's our biggest fan. Um, so she's put, there's a lot of negativity surrounding lockdown for fair reason. Um, however, with the additional time that you have, is there something positive that you've taken away or learned about yourself that you wouldn't have known prior to having the additional time? Yeah, I think it's similar to the, um, to the last answer when I talked about the consistency that I've been able to have. Definitely... Um, come April last year I was starting to think oh my goodness I'm not ready to race like I've not been done doing this long enough like can't race so having that extra time I was like won't do me any harm like you know getting the training in so that was definitely a positive um but then on the back of that now I feel like I'm ready to race because we've just been training forever so um so yeah I think having the extra time to think about you know I said before that I've obviously chosen this this direction in terms of sport but starting to think about the extra time that I have now how can that be spent and and what other um what other challenges can I take on that are that are not racing so um so yeah that's been you know good to have that time to think about that and and explore that yeah, I mean, we're, we're the kind of same. We've started this podcast because we've got that little bit of extra time on our hands. So it is good to try and get your, your voice out during this time when you've got when you've got it. And the next question comes from Kirsten in S3. And she's asking, what made you specifically start wheelchair racing? So, yeah, I, I, when I came out also, I said before that I wanted to try loads of different sports. Um, and I did try a few things. Um, but wheelchair racing was something that I could put hours into like I I had the time and I could put put the time into it so um I also didn't need someone there I didn't need a coach I actually had a coach I was lucky enough to have someone beside me but I didn't need that I could go to the track by myself and I could be independent with it so um so that's kind of why I chose chose to solely focus on it I did uh, or I do, I play tennis, but, the, you know, I always you always need someone there to either play with you or coach, um, and that seemed like a bit of a barrier to, to, to doing that more often. So, so wheelchair racing, yeah, it was just an opportunity to, to put time into it and, uh, and work for the, put the work in. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, you, you kind of seem as though you're keeping yourself pretty busy. Um, do you have any strategies for any people that are maybe struggling through lockdown um, any advice on how to keep yourself busy stay focused on something I think for me routine is really important I think um, even though you, you know you, we don't have an awful lot to fill our day at the moment keeping a routine it, for me is really important just even getting up at the same time and going to bed at the same time <clears throat> also um 
I mean, I can't say it enough, is like moving your body and going out in the fresh air or getting some exercise, whether that's a walk, a run, um, you know, a home workout, whatever it is, I think even just our sleep, it improves our quality of our sleep. And I just think um, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something in the day. So if anyone was um, thinking about how to spend their time, I definitely would encourage a bit of exercise. That's great advice, especially us starting this podcast. Our hope was that people would listen to it, go outside, get some fresh air um, and just a bit of a change of scenery out of their house. So that is really good advice to take on. You've obviously given us so much kind of inspiration and wisdom already, Mel, but if you had to give yourself um, one bit of wisdom or advice when you were younger, maybe a teenage age, what would you say to yourself? I think commitment like I didn't I never really committed to too much when I was younger I think whether that was you know use a, a sport for an example I think um I think I would quite easily decide that actually either I can't be bothered or you know it might be too much effort to put to put that energy into it so I think I don't know if I'd take that advice but um <laughs> but yeah just a reminder to, to commit to something and um and even, even if it gets tough, go through the tough times before you decide whether it's, you know, for you or not for you. Amazing. I think um, that actually concludes our questions up quite nicely there. Um, I suppose all that's left to say is, like, to thank you for coming on. Like, we were actually so excited for this after listening to the last one and just to hear about your story and how positive you are. Um, and I know that the listeners will be feeling the exact same listening to it and are super excited. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and we'd love to promote your journey and what you're doing. So we'll um, link your website. But if there's any other ways, then let us know so that we can share your story. Thank you so much, guys. Wow, that was amazing hearing from Mel. I think you'll agree that she's such an inspirational sports personality. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm really looking forward to see where she ends up, not only in her sporting career, but spreading her story, positive mindset and awareness for sporting opportunities for all. If you want to follow along with her journey, check out her website, melaniewoods.org. On another note, exciting news, Miss Carney. Did you hear we're getting a jingle? I think that means we've made it. No... Although, I did hear that Dunbar pupils are in competition to create one. The best one gets played every episode. Yay, this is so exciting. Please submit your jingle to Mr Stewart and stay tuned for episode three, not only to hear our new jingle, but to listen to another amazing and inspirational story from a new guest. And remember, keep it... Sunny. In... Dunny! Hey. <laughs>